Well, hello again. My name's David Kowalik. And I'm Paul Smith. And today we're going to be talking about uh, exactly what is the kingdom of God. And the reason we're doing this is because we've become aware that we really need to identify uh, exactly what the kingdom of God means uh, from a biblical point of view, both Old and New Testament. Yeah. Uh, as at recording this episode, we've actually recorded um, seven episodes already in our gospel series. But after having released two, we've been uh, getting questions about what is the kingdom of God since we've said that the gospel is about the kingdom of God and the Messiah coming and Mm. the kingdom coming with the Messiah. Um, Now, as we go further through the series um, and even in the episodes that we've already previously recorded that as at this recording are not yet released, uh, the, the shape of what the kingdom of God is and the um, witness to it through the Old Testament, um, it starts to become more clear uh, as we go through. But we thought we need to give um, a bit of a a brief summary, like a framework for people to understand as we go through. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole idea of the kingdom of God, even though it's not explicitly mentioned, for instance, in the Old Testament, the idea is still there because what we mean when we say the kingdom of God, we're talking about the rule of God. And right from the beginning, of course, when God created the heavens and the earth, he ruled over it all. And then we go back to the entire meta story of the grand saga of Scripture. And what we see there is that the kingdom of God, if you like, God's rulership was intact at the beginning. And then it was meant to spread out across the earth. And then there was a rebellion, but then there's a restoration of the kingdom of God through the family of Abraham, through the line of David, in the person of Jesus Christ, and then through the church, that the whole world would be reconciled and brought back into the rule of God. And then the original plan that was given to Adam and Eve would be reinstated and that the human race would take up their place as a royal priesthood. And that's kind of just a very brief summary of the whole um, saga of the kingdom of God in the saga of the scriptures. So that's uh, kind of a, a, a big meta story that's behind the idea of the kingdom of God as far as the Jews understood it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so to understand the concept of the kingdom of God and really the the um, proper gospel, uh, we, we need to reevaluate, as David said, our understanding of the meta story of the whole Bible. So what we've ended up with in more modern times, is this idea that the problem for humanity is that sin has come in and stained us and made us not fit for heaven. Mm. And so the end goal is to get souls into heaven uh, and that's because God's upset with us for being stained with sin. Mm-hmm. Somehow we've ended up with that story. That's not really the story that the Bible tells. Mm. Um, what what the Bible actually tells, and, and David gave a really brief summary just there, is a story of um, God's rule as ultimate king, but delegated through his human children, right? Mm. Where the, the children of God were created as the children of God with a task. Mm. Not to, as all the pictures suggest, mm. um, have a eternal holiday in Eden. Yeah. That's what a lot of the imagery um, mm. looks like. You know, if you do a Google search of um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, there'll, there'll be two themes that will come up, either the story of the snake, you know, pictures of the snake on the tree and mm-hmm. the temptation of take the fruit, yep. or 
they're kind of just sitting naked in a as a two person nudist colony, mm-hmm. um, patting a tiger yeah. or a lion, you know, mm. um, next to a gently flowing river and watching the sunset mm. with God. There. Yeah, you know, it's like a an eternal mm. holiday. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that's the picture we've somehow developed of um, the Garden of Eden with mm. Adam and Eve. And God just made people to be in paradise on a perpetual holiday yeah. with him. We've somehow got that idea. Yeah, sipping pina coladas poolside in paradise, that yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so then um, the, mm. the idea is that God's trying to get us back to that, mm. that heaven is just another eternal Holiday, yeah, that we God's trying to get us back to, yeah, uh, by paying for our sins so we can get there, yeah. Um, but that's not the picture that the Bible actually gives. It's not the story the Bible tells. Mm. The Bible tells a story of humanity being created as the children of God and given authority over the created order mm. and a task, a vocation, to rule the earth and subdue it mm. and to bring order to chaos and to um, cultivate the Garden of Eden and spread the the garden that God had planted, mm. and that's that's imagery there. Um, but to spread that to the whole earth, to Edenize yeah. the rest of the world, yeah. So the idea of Eden um, is probably shouldn't be just, or probably shouldn't be just thought of as a geographical place on earth, but rather a state of being. And that state of being was where God and humanity were in perfect connection and where one human being is in perfect connection with another and where human beings are perfectly connected with and ruling over creation. And then that's all exemplified in the Garden of Eden. But then the task, the job that human beings were given were to take what was there and to spread that into the chaos in the rest of the world. So it it isn't just, you know, lounging around just enjoying pleasure, although you know, God gave us all things richly to enjoy. But the idea was that we would be in his image and we would rule in his in his name and that we would bring his order to the rest of the world. And the way that God has chosen to do it, I mean, he could do it himself, but he chose to do it through his image in humanity. And I don't, you know, I don't actually know why he chose that, but he did. That's just the fact of it. He chose us. And the gift and the call of God is irrevocable. Now, that's actually mentioned in um, Romans chapter 11 and verse uh, 29, where it says, for the gifts, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Now, that, that's applying to Israel and their gift and call to be the family through which redemption would come. But I think in principle that applies to Adam and Eve as well. What 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 is true there is, that God gave a gift to humanity to rule and he called them to Edenize the world and he's never going to give up on that plan. And so the whole idea of um, the grand saga of the scriptures is the is the redemption of humanity back to that task so that we will rule the earth again and we will rule it in uh, as the true image of God and rule all over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. So that's where... God mentions that bird watching and fishing are really important. <laughs> I mean, incidentally, I'm into bird watching and fishing only because Jesus said I should be. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it takes. But um, so I need to repent and take up. You bird do. Watching you do. Yeah, fishing. we'll get to that. But 
Yeah, it actually says, I'll show you in, 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 sorry, in Genesis, um, in chapter 1 and verse 26, it says that God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And then notice this next bit, he says, so that they might rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. So we were created in the image of God so that we could rule. And rulership there isn't kind of using your jackboot power to get what you want, but rather it's to rule in the likeness of God. And how does God rule? He rules with gentleness and compassion. He rules in a way that brings life and regeneration, and that's what humanity was created in his image, to do that and to care for and to nurture the world and to curate the garden in such a way that it would spread from there and, and then spread right around the world. And, and, of course, that's all picture language of God's rule coming through humanity. And even, even to this day, you know, if I was God, I would have given up on the human race and said, well, you know, here, let me do it. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't say, just let me do it. In fact, he goes to all the trouble of Jesus, his son, becoming one of us, becoming a human being, and then redoing, um, you know, Adam, if you like, Jesus is described elsewhere in the scriptures as the second Adam mm-hmm. who will uh, displace the fallen Adam and then be the new head over humanity and bring us back into our original plan. Yep. So to understand both the biblical story, the whole biblical narrative, and the state of the world currently, we have to understand this This is key, that God delegated authority to humanity to rule over the created order, mm. and that's never been revoked. Yeah. So the problem is that the rule that we're supposed to have has been corrupted and also given over. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll have to look in more detail at this in, an, in another series, I think. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the Bible, I think, is clear that we've given over our delegated authority to sin, to corruption, and even more clearly to the devil. Mm. Um, so in uh, another episode, I think, we'll look at Jesus' clash with Satan. That's really clear in, mm. the, in the gospel accounts. And Satan is called the prince of, the, of this world, yeah. of this age. And he's called that, you know, and in the Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, the mm. Satan offers him the kingdoms of the world. Yeah. Is that These are mine. I can give them to you. Yeah. And why does he have them? Because we gave them to him. Yeah. We delegated, we gave up our own delegated authority from God mm. to Satan, to corruption, mm. to sin, mm. to, um, to other, death. Yeah, yeah. To, you know. Yeah. And um, because God never revoked that, mm. um, his plan of redemption in bringing the created order back under his rule means bringing us yeah. back under his rule. And he does that. Um, through Jesus, Jesus, the son of man, the human one. It's really significant that Jesus came as a human um, because to reinstate the rule of humanity in the earth under God's rule mm. had to be done through humanity. Yeah. So he came as a human to, to be the, the human that brings the rule of God back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit messy, you know, the story. You, you look at the story of the flood, for instance, and you can see that that story is a story of a 
of the creator God or as the father God who is exasperated with his children. And the way the story is put forward is not meant to be taken as a dot point um, history or something like that, but rather it's it's just illustrating. You know, God was exasperated with with the creation, with humanity, and by rights he should have just screwed it up and chucked it in the bin and started again. But instead, he always looked for a way to bring redemption, and he did that through the family of Noah, and then later it's through uh, one of the descendants of Noah, Abraham. Through that one family, he made a promise to someone he just chose out of the blue and said, it's through your family I'm going to bring redemption and a blessing to all the nations on earth. And then later more detail is given to that through the law of Moses, then down through the promise made through uh, King David that the dynasty of David would bring about a king who would rule and bring restoration not only to Israel but through Israel to the whole world. And then, of course, Jesus. Jesus is that man. And then we see this great king arise, one in the likeness of David, but he puts David in the shade, of course. He's the great king that we've all been waiting for. And something we've actually talked about personally before is is how, um, you know, fairy tales and fables and many of the great stories that we all resonate with are about a great king coming back and ruling over the world again. Yeah. Uh, things like um, Robin Hood and the Lion King and um, <clears throat> Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And can you think of some other examples? Star Wars? Yeah, Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> uh, but many of the it's great themes. Yeah, it's yeah. a great theme in human human storytelling that the way that, that things are is not the way they're meant to be, but one day there'll be a great king or a great queen who will rise up and restore things to the way they were meant to be. And the reason that resonates with us is because that's actually what we're all looking for. Yeah. Sometimes we look for it in, in political fantasies or in philosophical ideas that we think are going to restore humanity to the way they're meant to be, but none of these things are really going to cut it. In the end, the promise that we have in the Scriptures is that God himself would give a, a king like that. Mm. And the good news that the first disciples went out to preach was, well, that king has come, and that king is Jesus. Yep. And so um, there, and, and, and then, of course, there's a long-term plan for the restoration, not just of Israel, but through Israel, that all the nations on earth and all the glories of all the kingdoms of, of earth will become the kingdom of our God and his Christ, or the God of our God and his Messiah, which is mentioned in the book of the Revelation. That's the ultimate outcome, that all the kingdoms of this world will become under the rule of the one great king and the one great kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, and God will be all in all, and Jesus will be king over all. Mm-hmm. That's the big plan. So from beginning to end, that's the grand kind of meta story of the kingdom of God. And that's the context in which this whole concept and idea of the gospel of the kingdom sits, and that's why it makes so much sense and why it's so important and why we believe that this needs to be reiterated and resaid and again, we're not the only ones, you know, on this on this journey. It, no. We've been brought into it. We're just part of a larger conversation. But I think it's exciting that this conversation is being had all around the world. And I look forward to the way that the church will um, uh, be reinvested with what their plan, what what the plan of the church is, is to preach the kingdom and see this kingdom come. I mean, that's what we pray for. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that prayer, we are literally praying 
that that grand meta story would find its conclusion in, in Jesus, the Son of God, and in the redemption of humanity for the new world. Yeah, so if the kingdom has come, why do we need to pray for it to come? Well, yeah, it depends what you mean by the kingdom has come. <laughs> yeah, and, there you go. Yeah, so so this would be probably a good time to look at um, this passage in Luke because yep. Jesus, uh, when he was talking about the kingdom of God, this is in Luke chapter 17, uh, he says in verse 20, once having been, been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is, it says in this translation, within you mm. and a footnote or among you yep. and other translations say uh, in your midst. Mm. What does that mean? Uh, well, it means that the, the the normal markers of a kingdom like armies and palaces and that kind of thing is not how the kingdom of God is coming. Rather, it's coming and it's getting the allegiance of one person and then another person and then a group of people. And so the kingdom of God comes in the in the hearts of people. And as people come to recognize that Jesus is king, they repent and have faith in him, which means that they 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 throw off their old allegiances, they take up the new allegiance in Jesus, they trust in him as the true king, and their allegiance is towards him that you and I and others who come into the kingdom, then the territory of the kingdom is in here and it's yeah. amongst us. It isn't, uh, it isn't just given by physical markers like territories or maps, but rather in hearts and souls. Yeah, so it's marked out by all the people who submit to God as king mm. and follow Jesus and give their allegiance to Jesus as king and then everything that they do mm. um, is under God's authority and spreading God's authority. Yeah. So my household I consider to be under the rule of God. Yeah. My, even my backyard. Yeah. You know, it's mm. my it's mine. I own mm. it. And because I'm under the rule of God, whatever's under my rule is under the rule of God. Yeah. And so the kingdom of God spreads in that fashion. Yeah. And so we see the kingdom of God, um, theologians say it was inaugurated in the coming of Jesus, meaning it started to come. Mm. But we also have to understand that it hasn't finished coming. Yeah. There's a, a end of days kind of fulfillment of the kingdom finally taking over everything. But mm. we're in a in-between stage, and it's really important to understand that, that the yeah. kingdom is spreading um, but it's, and it's pushing back darkness, mm. but also the corruption and darkness is still trying to push back on the, yeah. on the kingdom and that's the stage that we're in in history now. Mm. It's kind of a long stage. We were actually talking a couple of weeks ago about, um, you mentioned it before, the story of Robin Hood and how that mm. paints a kind of a good picture of where we are at the moment. So if you if you know the story of Robin Hood, um, it's um, in, set in England and King Richard is actually king over England, but he's gone off to the Crusades, so he's off fighting somewhere else. Mm. And... Um, his cousin or his brother? I think, yeah. Uh, some relative. <laughs> or nephew or something. I yeah, something remember. like that. Yeah. Decides to usurp mm. his throne mm. and go and sit on the throne, Prince John. And mm. so Prince John starts ruling over England mm. as if he's in charge mm. while Richard is gone. Mm. And he's a corrupt ruler and yeah. a wicked ruler. And so there's um, 
you know, Robin Hood and his band of merry men kind of exemplify a resistance movement mm. that in that context they're seen as criminals and outlaws because they're resistant to Prince John and his rule because they recognise that it's um, he, he doesn't have true authority, that the Kingdom of England actually is supposed to be under the rule of King Richard mm. and so they're loyal to King Richard even while he's gone. Mm. And what happens in the story when Richard comes back and throws out Prince John is that all the subjects like Robin Hood and his band of followers that were loyal to him in his absence mm. are no longer outlaws. They're actually like um, given reward and credit and vindication. Vindication. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that in a lot of the parables of Jesus, he gives that same picture to his followers. There's quite a number of parables where, where he says a, a king or a ruler or the master of a household left and went on a journey mm. and left um, resources um, under the care of his servants. Mm. And then the question is what would he come back to find? Yeah. And for the servants that um, followed their master's business, mm. they were given glory and honour. And, uh, you know, the the famous parable of the, the talents yeah. of the money, the ones that, um, stewarded well when the king came back from the journey and there was an increase on return mm. from what they'd been entrusted with. He said, come and enjoy your master's happiness mm. and now I'm going to put you in charge of 10 cities. Yeah. Um, so the place that Christians find themselves in now is that we're in a world that's still um, under corruption mm. and we're, we're part of the kingdom of God spreading in the current stage and Jesus came and started that and set that up and left. Yeah. And he, but he's coming back and when he comes back, you know, well, he's going to Sure, sure. I mean, but, but we have to say in the sense that he left, he didn't he didn't leave us unattended though. No. No, so he, he sent his spirit. He sent his spirit yeah. and he's gone to be at the right hand of the father and you know, he's he's in the in the war room so to speak, but we are commissioned by him and we're empowered by the Spirit to represent that kingdom and to preach that kingdom yep. and to see um, that pushback against, against the darkness. To me, it's a little bit like the difference between uh, D-Day and V-Day. D-Day is the day Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God. He invaded this, this world yep. and he set up his kingdom. He set up a beachhead. And then V-Day is absolutely assured that one day the darkness will be completely destroyed, death will be done away with forever, but... Really, it was D-Day that was, you know, the, the day that the victory began. Yeah. But there was still time between V-Day, oh, sorry, D-Day and V-Day, and we're in that between time. The kingdom has come and is coming, but one day it will fully come. And and one day, you know, justice will be ultimately and fully and completely done. But the promise of justice is already taking place in the resurrection of Jesus that has shown that he is the, the the true victor over sin and death and the power of evil and all of that. And now we recognise that and say Jesus is the true king. And, yes, there's still a war on, but the war is already, you know, essentially won because D-Day has already happened, the invasion has taken place and the enemy is already routed, so to speak. It's just a matter of, of uh, mopping up. And and there is also this, this period of time of it's already been 2,000 years but that just gives more and more time for the gathering of the family of God over over time yeah, to bring them in. 
Yeah, and so uh, also in line with uh, the idea that uh, when we're in an in-between stage and it's it's been 2,000 years already since Jesus came and that seems like a long time. Um, but uh, here in, I mean, uh, Peter writes to the church and he wrote a couple of letters that we have in the New Testament and the the general theme of his letters is to stand firm under trial, persecution, suffering, stay loyal to God. Why? Um, because you'll be vindicated at the end, <laughs> That's right. like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, we mm. we anticipate the day of the Lord coming mm. and him setting everything right yeah. and that you'll be given a place in the new heavens and the earth, in the new order. Mm. Those who are loyal to God will give, be given that place. But what he says is, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3 from verse 8, he says, but do not uh, so but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So two thousand years is like two days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yeah. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's ultimately coming. The, the victory day is absolutely assured, and that is the grand day when the kingdom of God has subsumed all the other kingdoms on earth. And in the end, the, the kingdom of God will be the last kingdom standing. All the other kingdoms will be either joined into or come under the power of the the, the come of the coming of the kingdom of God, or they'll be uh, thrown aside. Mm. But um, that's the that's the really that's the big story. That's the human story. That's the story that is underneath all the other stories, and that's the reason why we've populated our fables and our political fantasies with a great king or a great system or a great political philosophy that will bring the world to the place that it's meant to be. But of course, all of those are fantasies because there's only one true king and only one true way that it's going to come to pass, and that is not from us or from below, but as Jesus said in John, John chapter 18 when he was talking to Pilate, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it's just a heavenly kingdom, but rather it came from above, but it is for this world. And so Jesus is coming from, not from below, but from above, and he's bringing uh, a superimposed <laughs> kingdom which will rule over everything and everyone. Mm. And that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Okay.